Welcome to episode four of the Becoming a Data Scientist podcast. I'm your host, Renee Teet. Today we meet Sherman Diston, a digital marketing and analytics expert, chief marketing officer, and business founder in Tampa, Florida. He'll tell us about his mostly self-taught route to becoming a business analytics expert that uses data science techniques to uncover marketing insights. We'll also talk about our next data science learning club activity, which can also serve as a catch-up period for those of you just joining in. But first, let's meet Sherman Diston. Okay, hi Sherman. Hi Renee, how are you? Good, how are you? Very good, thanks for having me. I just wanted to um, first ask you, do you consider yourself a data scientist and where do you see yourself along the spectrum of becoming a data scientist? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that a lot of people are, are either calling themselves data scientists inappropriately or, or others are afraid to call, them data, to call themselves data scientists because they're focused on something very specific within the field. Uh, myself, I, I kind of shy away from the, the phrase, the, the title, because I think of myself first as a marketer who uses data science tools. It's uh, a lot of tools out there that help in the uh, the large data sets that marketing produces nowadays. Uh, they're, they're very, very useful. But to go back and just call myself a data scientist, uh, I think that I would stay closer to the uh, becoming a data science part of the spectrum. Okay. So... Um, tell us about your current work and what you do in your current job that um, is data science type activities. Gotcha. So my current work is uh, I want to manage an agency, Query Bridge uh, Consulting. Basically, what we do is we take uh, large data sets, uh, marketing data sets, and help provide insight. What that kind of insight could look like is either customer profiling. It could look like... Uh, you know, diving into a loyalty program and understanding uh, some more information out of that. It could be as, as high as understanding the impact of different uh, marketing channels. So all of that can be crunched with some of the, the models that are available in, in data science, like a, a Cox Pearson or uh, you know, linear, simple as linear regressions. So what comes out of that is while we are, are helping execute on some of the marketing channels, whether it be paid search or uh, display advertising, even email, uh, email personalization, uh, it comes down to on the back end, looking at and using some of those uh, tools that are used in data science to, to create information we can take back to clients and say, this is uh, your next move or this is an interesting uh, finding. Okay, and then let's go back to when you were a kid. So now that you're doing this type of work, going all the way back, think about when you were a kid, was there anything that indicated you would eventually be doing this kind of stuff? Were you an analytical kid or were you really good at math or did you ever do computer programming before you were, you know, in upper education? If I could put a pinpoint on it, I would say that, uh, there was a, a science kit that one of my uncles brought home. Uh, he was a, uh, he, he, they were getting, the school was throwing all of the uh, the kits away and he brought one home. I uh, opened it up and inside of it were different uh, elements, metals, liquids, some of the liquids I'm sure a child had no business having, but 
my mind lit up and I was just, what if? I wanted to throw a little bit of this in, a little bit of that, and just to see what would happen. Uh, that kind of led me down the experiment, uh, experimental road. Uh, funny story, uh, my siblings and I, we would take uh, different cleaners from out of the, uh, under the sink or uh, wherever, put them in the, uh, the toilet bowl just to see what would happen. And the safety <laughs> was, uh, if anything went bad, just flush it. So it was just an experimental mindset. I'm sure you got a lot of dangerous fumes doing that, but that must have been fun oh, as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, but, it, but it led down the path of just asking the question, what, what if? And uh, out of that, you know, I have the vocabulary now, but as a child, I, I was still forming hypotheses to see what would happen. And that kind of led down the road of, of you know, what happens if I take a little bit of, of this, a little bit of that, and looking at now data sets where, uh, you know, the data munching or pulling uh, airport data and putting it on top of hotel booking data just to see what will come out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my mind just at that point was more of I wanted to see what would happen. So very much a, uh, an experimental mindset. At one point in my childhood, I said I wanted to be a botanist. I don't know how much I really understood it at that time, but I knew that that science was of interest to me. Okay, and then did that lead you towards science courses at school, or um, you know what what were you leaning towards? You said botany. So what kind of stuff did you do? You know, in middle school, high school, that was leading you down that path. You know, the schools that I went to weren't. Um, the, the best of schools. So there was no uh, identification of, of mathematical inclinations or, or even scientific inclinations. So throughout that time, I may have participated in band and, and a few other things, but there was that, uh, that light didn't turn back on until uh, my early 20s. Okay. So when you um, finished high school, did you go right into college? I know from your profile that you say you attended Art Institute. Mm -hmm. what, what was that decision like? And, and when did you start that? So what I, what I got from that was I enjoyed the idea of programming. Before, before after, between high school and, and, and college, uh, I found myself trying to understand what was going on behind kiosks in the mall. Uh, the web was just kind of starting to, you know, AOL was popular at that time. I'm, I'm dating myself, but mm -hmm. just kind of understanding what was going on behind that. Uh, then uh, another programming language director, Micromedia's director was very hot. So there was a program available at the, the Art Institute. I wanted to go get into that. It led me into uh, some more back-end programming, but it was very, very heavy on on front-end design and uh, color theory, and that wasn't really my uh, my main interest. But out of that, I learned uh, building databases, MySQL, learned a lot of stuff about PHP, and I kind of built my foundation for object-oriented programming, which kind of uh, helped me uh, speed up in learning uh, Python. So was that your first kind of delving into programming was uh, web front-end? Were you designing websites? Yes. So I, I did a number of websites way back in the day. Um, they were a client base. I was doing stuff for for uh, lawn care companies, dentists, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of mom and pop shops. Everyone wanted a website at the time. Uh, and what led me to the next step was they came back asking the question of, uh, "Okay, great, I have this website, but uh, what's happening with it?" That kind of got me into uh, web analytics, uh, which I, I 
you know, I bought a license with uh, WebTrends, installed it on, on a personal server, and uh, it was extraordinarily expensive for, for the money I was making at the time, but it helped me learn a little bit more of, of, of hits, that, that's what they were called then, or, or visits today. And once I was able to give that feedback to uh, my, my clients, they asked the question of, okay, great, how do I get more? Which that led me into uh, SEO, which led into what I call then traffic building, but today it is known as digital marketing. So out of that is when I started getting into bigger and bigger data sets. Uh, I went and, and worked for another agency for a while. And uh, that's when I, I found myself in front of some very, very big uh, executives for, for Fortune 100 companies. And you know, I was terrified. I was pretty young at the time. I was terrified to, to tell them, hey, you, know, you should take your, your $10 million and do this without any proof of evidence. And that kind of pushed me back to, uh, to the math. No, oh, I was looking for something that, that I can prove, some model that I can say to them uh, based on your your uh, your budget, this is what you get. And not so much of me just saying this is my intuition and this is what I believe would happen because I was young enough that, you know, uh, I probably would have got laughed out of the room. But be able to say mathematically with evidence, this is uh, what I believe will happen and be able to answer uh, call the, the five levels of why uh, those questions that start getting fired off. And I wanted to have that foundation. So I ended up um, focusing more on learning how to do that type of math, which uh, today you know, some would call it data science and, and at some level. But for me, it was just being able to make sure I wasn't embarrassed in a boardroom. So it sounds like during this time, you were doing a whole lot of like self-teaching and exploring. And tell us how you did that. You know, were you picking up books? Were you um, taking courses? You know, how did that work? What I did, it was almost a hybrid, only in that, uh, you know, from my understanding, the only way to learn anything was to, was to go to college, but it didn't, it didn't make sense for me to try and get back into another program, start a computer science program or a statistics program and start all over. Uh, so what I did was I actually looked at the schools that I thought were popular and had strong programs, and I would find and download their syllabi. Uh, out of that, I would find what book they were using, uh, what uh, you know, what they were, what method they were using, and I would just buy those books. Either buy them at uh, uh, you know Amazon.com or uh, uh, Barnes and Noble, whatever whatever the store was. Find those those books, read them. I have a, a massive collection of books on, on these kind of topics, and I would just go through them, and that was what helped me. Uh, you know, a few years later, YouTube came about and, and everyone was posting uh, uh, student lectures and from, from in their colleges. And I thought, this is amazing. Why are they just giving this away for free? Uh, and I started following some of that. So for me, it was uh, it was around that time that I started to understand uh, that I had a, a mathematical inclination. I had a conversation with someone and, and just by uh, happenstance, I mentioned, yeah, you know, I'm self-taught in calculus, and their, their mind was blown. For me, I, I just thought that was, that's what you do. I had no point of reference to say this is good or bad. It was just that, you know, something that, uh, it was business calculus specifically, uh, that I needed to, to learn for a problem that I was trying to solve at work, and I found the, the right reading material. I found uh, some some courses uh, or, or uh, lectures online, and even some some forums mentioned things, and, and just dove in and learned it. I didn't know that that was a a a, a, a feat in itself. So you know that was kind of my, my path of, of learning is that I would 
uh, look at a topic, uh, research any material I can find on, understand it, and at least on a high level, get the vocabulary. Because what will come out of that is once I understood the vocabulary, I would search that and then come back with uh, something else to search and I could go deeper and deeper into that particular topic. Yeah, and I found the same thing with learning data science is that um, there's so many vast resources online and you don't even know where to start. So you, you start by maybe reading an article and something catches your attention. And so you dive in a little more into that. Yeah, so, it's, it's funny you mentioned that article because one of the things, my turning point, and, and while I was looking at simpler things like linear regression, there was an article, and I don't remember the year, but it came out in the New York Times, maybe, maybe you heard of it, where a father went into uh, Target and he was extraordinarily upset with, uh, with, with the, the managers there saying, how dare you send my daughter uh, these, uh, these pregnancy or baby related coupons. She's only 15 or 16 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, the manager said, you know, very, very sorry. And uh, nine months later, whatever the time was, uh, the guy came back and apologized because she did in fact have a child. What, what came out of that was uh, the question of, you know, how much does uh, do retailers know? And, uh, and that's kind of when big data started to become a big, uh, a big buzzword. And that caught my attention as a marketer. So I'm thinking, how did they market to her before she even knew, or at least the parent knew that she was pregnant? And it came down to building models and and forecast and and that's really for me the point where where i understood data science as a as a field and i wanted to dive into it not so much for the sake of trying to become a quote-unquote data scientist but for what it could do for me as a marketer so since you were in marketing pretty um, much from the beginning of your career did mm -hmm. you feel like um you really you mentioned that you learned calculus in order to do marketing. You mentioned that you learned some programming. How did you pull that all together? And when did you start to feel like you're really getting this and you could feel confident about it? You know, what was the process from going from just trying to solve a problem that you need to know something you don't know yet to being able to kind of consolidate that all and then eventually get into consulting? Gotcha. The consolidating it was, was easy only because of, of the way that I approached it. I, I didn't approach, uh, these these topics as uh, something learning for the sake of learning it was learning for the sake of solving a problem so that that point was already made and that i may need to learn this i may need to learn that and learn that just to come back down to that point so there was always that that focus there uh for me when i started to feel more confident it was uh was the feedback on the data right uh in this particular field, you, you get a response very quickly, right? Let's say you're running a, a, an ad test or even merchandising new, new uh, products, right? You're going to know uh, by sales, right? When, when it comes down to the bottom line, whether you're right or not. Uh, in, in other industries, I don't know, maybe biostats, you, know, you may not have that immediate feedback, but in this uh, field, marketing field, you're going to know either either you see it working defined as you're increasing revenue or it's not working because costs are going up and, and revenue is not. So did the companies that you were working for just let you experiment and try out some some things to see how it would go? That was very, very hard. Uh, the, the immediate answer is no. There wasn't always a, uh, a hey, go and try it because uh, in the agency world, you have to prove everything to your client. Uh, this particular client was a, a an office products client 
uh, a very, very uh, big name, household name. Uh, so to, to walk in there as, I don't know, maybe 25 years old or something like that, to walk in there and say, hey, I want to take a million dollars, I want to do this, I want to take five million to do that, it wasn't that easy. Uh, there was not only uh, sitting on the other side of the table, meaning strategy was done in-house and the agency was more on the executionary side, uh, being able to, to push into that conversation and say, here's some strategy that we want you to do is very, very hard. So it was hard on the first to get it through the agency to get your your uh, your client manager client director to go back to the the client and say we want to try something that you haven't done uh, and then for that uh, uh vp of marketing to go to to whoever they report to to say we want to try something uh that's coming from the outside that's that's never been done that's a that's a hard conversation so it really takes the ability to to approach that conversation with with a lot of uh, backing data, with a lot of uh, visualizations and, and a lot of forecasts, and being able to to forecast uh, very quickly. Right, there was this was a, a time when I started getting into Excel's solver function. Uh, at that time, I did a lot of work in, in Excel. Uh, what came out of that was uh, when I when I would throw something over the fence and say, "Let's try this," and the, immediately they would come back and say. But what if this happens? What if that happens? And instead of saying, okay, well, give me a day to sit down and figure it out, I had to do that on the fly. So it was it was a, a hard conversation to push through. But once the the uh, the infrastructure, if you will, of, of answering those those fire quick fire questions was in place, it became a little bit easier. I would say if I had to sum it down, it was really a matter of uh, you know, being able to answer the the anticipated questions before they were asked. So it's definitely, you know, having that business background and the domain knowledge helped you get your foot in the door to taking it further analytically. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I owe that that business knowledge to to a couple of guys who uh, I remember my first conversation with one guy. He was uh, spouting off a, a number of terms and, and he used the, the word EBITDA. And I was nodding my head. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah EBITDA. OK. Uh, <laughs> went back later and had to look it up. I didn't realize it was actually an acronym. Uh, but that was, was kind of my, my first pivot into understanding that uh, marketing is just a piece of, of actually running a business. So, you know, I've held a number of, uh, of a senior and executive level roles where um, that knowledge of business becomes very, very important. But then being able to mix that with instead of having to run over to a uh, a, uh, you know, a data analyst or business intelligence specialist to, to run through numbers, you know, I can have a conversation, run through the numbers myself and respond very quickly to say a CEO or, or whoever who's, who's asking uh, on a particular model or forecast. And that's been uh, very helpful. And I would say that for anyone who's you know, looking for a similar path, being able to, to quickly access uh, the data yourself, being able to, uh, to quickly put together a forecast yourself or a model yourself is key. You know, there's lots of conversations going on now about uh, how the the CMO role and the CTO role are starting to, to reach a, a convergence point where, and this is more in the digital world, where uh, a CMO may come up with some strategy on the way uh, a website should look uh, specifically around uh, where the product should be placed. Uh, and that person would have to go back to the CTO and say, and prove their case and why it should change, where some companies are finding success in, in kind of uh, merging that role and saying, uh, you know, it's a, uh, one of the titles I heard was a uh, chief digital officer, where in that role, that person was was uh, working with a, 
a marketing person, a lead marketing person, a lead technical person, uh, and they would bring them together and get things done a lot faster. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it, it comes back to understanding the the having a business acumen is, is very important, but also understanding those other elements of, of the the uh, marketing channels that you can execute in, and then having some understanding of, of programming. Because if you ask you know, some programmers, you know, you, you if you haven't met them yet, uh, it's kind of a uh, a joke in, in the in the programmers world that you know marketing teams will come over with these crazy ideas, and programmers are kind of laughing at them. It doesn't work that way. But being able to understand some of the stuff that they do and the limitations that that are in place by by some of the uh, languages out there helps a lot in, in climbing the ladder. And uh, you know, coming back to the data science of it, uh, or data science aspect of it, is understanding um, how to create uh, the the data that backs your idea. Yeah. So you mentioned um, extracting some data and working with that data and building models. Um, what are some of the techniques and tools that you've learned to do that in the marketing world? You know, one of my uh, favorite ones right now that was, was that, that I kind of stumbled across is a survival analysis. Uh, it was, I think it's more used in, or at least the example that I, that I stumbled across was used in, in finding uh, cancer patients and how long they would survive. Uh, and what I did was kind of flipped it to understand uh, how, you know, what would it take to make a person convert, or whether it was buy a product or, or uh, fill out a form. And that was a uh, very interesting and it took it a little bit a step further and looking at the uh the proportional hazard model and found you know what was actually impacting uh those conversions so you know when i when i was able to take that uh those models and apply it to in, in this case it was a hotel bookings right uh, for a uh, for an online travel agency uh when i was able to apply that we started to understand that you know these media channels weren't doing uh that well and and one particular media media channel was actually uh, pushing uh, customers away. Wow. Uh, and what we found from that was it, 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 from the customer's perspective, it looked spammy, right? From from our perspective, it looked like a great media channel to reach out and, and give the person, a, a, a give potential customers lots of information. But we found that it not only was it a waste of money, but it was actually harming the business. So, you know, out of that model, we, we found those coefficients that, that uh, you know, told us how to change the, the marketing spend. And are you doing that programmatically or do you have some software tools that you run stuff through? What are some of the tools you use? I am working on a, a way to, to fully automate that. Uh-huh. Um, but to, to answer your question more direct, though the, uh, those particular models were, were done in R. So okay. uh, you know, I started out uh, and as I mentioned from, from the web using MySQL, got me into SQL Server. And this was like a uh, use large data sets and I was doing a lot of data mining uh, in, those, in those data sets. But uh, but I, I kind of reached some limits in that when I found a, a, a method of, of doing statistics or, or a, a type of model, I didn't know how or it didn't exist a, a means to do it in, in SQL. So uh, you know, kind of came across R, it was a, kind of a buzzword of, of everyone's doing R, that's the new language to use, uh, a new platform to use. And I, I, uh, solves a little bit easier than some of the stuff I was saying. You know, I would write a SQL query that would run you know, pages and pages and take you know, maybe 20 minutes to run where I can do something very similar in R. 
10 minutes. And it was more of, you know, plugging in the, the function, putting, uh, attaching the, the data frame, the data set, and, uh, and getting my answer right there. So something that I started using a little bit more. Um, what I like a lot more today is Python, uh, mainly because it kind of takes me back to, to, to my web days and that I can build something that I, that I see is going to be more uh, web friendly, right? Trying to build an algorithm in, in the background that uh, and building something that's also going to tap into an API for something like AdWords or, or uh, AdCenter. Uh, so that's something that I'm pushing on today. But to, to answer that question more directly, uh, using using R and Python are, are the uh, the tools of the day. Okay, and I see that you have a lot of books behind you. You mentioned <laughs> you had a big collection, and um, you, I'm sure you have several different resources, books, and blogs, and videos. So, are there any that you want to highlight that were especially useful or that you use today? One of my favorites now is uh, analytic. Uh, I may uh, mispronounce the name here, but analytics. The day, the V I D H Y A. Maybe yeah. you've heard of it. Uh, that is one that, that I keep abreast of. I have. There's another one, uh, Data Science Central, and, and happy to provide some links. But what I do with those is, is I have a Feedly account where I, I've tapped into all the RSS feeds, and I'll go through uh, on my phone when I'm, you know, I have some downtime, and I'll just look at those articles or read them, and then I use uh, my my Twitter account as a as a public bookmark because. Uh, and I find that if it's interesting to me, it may be interesting to someone else. So as I find an article that I find interesting, I'll, I'll tweet it from that account and, uh, you know, and I'll get a lot of people favoring it or, or, re, or retweeting it. And it's just kind of a means of me saying as I'm kind of uh, going through my journey of, of learning more about this, uh, this field, uh, you know, kind of sharing it for, for others. And in fact, that's, that's kind of how we met. Yeah, definitely. And I definitely do the same exact thing. So um, in the questions I sent you before the interview, you mentioned particular projects that had amazing success where you had set a reach goal and you ended up exceeding the reach goal. So can you give us some details of a specific project where you did some modeling or you know, tell us the techniques you used and why did it have such astounding success? Well, the, the, pro the, sorry, the project that I mentioned there without going into proprietary details, of course, mm -hmm. was uh, was going back to that, uh, the the hotel bookings, right? What, what I found was uh, because we were spending money that was actually harming the business and because we didn't have a great understanding of which channels were actually truly uh, growing the business, once I ran through those models, we were able to take the, the money that was uh, actually harming the business, move that over to the best channels and we saw extraordinary growth out of it. You know, the reach goal was somewhere around, uh, I think it was 25% uh, was the reach goal. We ended up growing by 65%. And, you know, that was yeah. a, a matter of just better understanding how we were using the, the media. Uh, the so other did, that, that did those before, results come out right away just by looking at the channels and doing some analytics? Or did you do some more in-depth, like what brought that to the surface that you saw what was happening to the channels? Gotcha. So, in, in any e-commerce business, the worth is grain, the worth is weight and salt. Uh, you're constantly looking at the numbers every single day. You're looking at reports. Uh, the report should be uh, on someone's desk 9 a.m. The, the next day. If if not, uh, you have you're working with real-time data, right? So for us to to make a change, we would see directionally where it was heading. Now, of course, you know if you make a change on, on Monday, uh, you may just happen to have a good Tuesday. So that comes down to uh, understanding. Your, uh, 
uh, your tolerances for, for, for change, right? So mm -hmm. if we see that one day it's uh, it's two percent and you have uh, uh, you know uh, third sigma is what, what kind of what you're looking for, uh, you're looking to make sure that there is a real uh, a change, right? A material change or a statistically significant change in, in the data. Once you find that, you can come back and, and plant your success flag and say that this is, uh, you know, we've, we've moved the needle. So what we saw was that from uh, week one to week two and week three, uh, we kept going up, right? Three, three is a trend. Uh, fourth week was going up by the, by the fifth and sixth week. It was, uh, it was Eureka. We, we knew that we were onto something. So, you know, it wasn't a matter of waiting uh, three months to come back and, and look at the data and say, this is great. We knew that we were on the, the right track within the first week. Okay. Wow. Great. So if somebody else wants to go into marketing analytics and use a data science tools in marketing, um, what do you recommend for them in terms of should they just do what you did, you know, read some books, um, you know, where should they start and where were the, the things that really helped you get to where you are? I would say the first thing a person needs to understand is, is what is their learning style? Like mm -hmm. uh, for me, it's, it's, I need to, to get to the theory first. And then I can dive down into the details of it. For others, it may be the reverse. They want to, they're very hands-on. They need to do a project. They And then they learn backwards and then understand the theory. Uh, and then what are the uh, the resources that work best for them? Right, for some uh, you know, who, people who have asked me, you know, how do I get started in, in, in marketing? How do I get started in, in analytics? Uh some they found more success in in YouTube videos. Some they found more success in books. Others they they need to use resources like uh, Udemy, Coursera, any of those uh, online uh, courses that are available because they need more of a structure or something to follow along. And, and neither is better than the other. It's just first understanding how you learn, like what works for you. And if you don't know, try a bunch and see what works. Mm -hmm. You know what comes out of that is if you're if you're trying to stick to something that that doesn't work for you, you're gonna end up beating yourself up over it and thinking, I can't learn, this is too advanced for me, uh, which is not gonna be the case. When I, when I first picked up a, uh, a, an econometrics book, um, you know, I'm looking at this, uh, I started way too early. I went right into the details of what I was trying to learn. And I'm looking at this, uh, this weird looking E, uh, Sigma, but uh, I didn't understand. I didn't have the right vocabulary to even, to even process the material. So you know, backing out when I started looking at just high level mathematical books at, uh, or, uh, or just industry related articles online uh, and, and reading through some of that stuff, I started to see, okay, what is that word or, or what is that? And I could Google that, uh, look into more of it. And then when I went back and looked at the same book, it, it, I found it to be very different. I, I could actually understand it now. But before I was thinking to myself, this is just way beyond me. I, I can't get into this. So I would say that you know, for anyone, once they've learned uh, how they learn best, then uh, you know, just go out there and start consuming different materials and see what makes sense to you. Yeah, and that's really good advice how you said about, you know, you, you realized that you were in over your head in one section, so you backed out and then you kept learning. I think a lot of people get discouraged. They see something and they're like, whoa, this is way too hard for me. I'm never going to get there. And they stop. Um, so that's great that you stuck with it. So is there anything else that's been in your career or having to do with job searches or your current consultancy um, that you want to highlight that we haven't discussed yet? You know, some of the uh, I'd love to talk about some of the recent projects I'm working on, but they're they're very proprietary. I, I would say that one one of them is uh, is trying to 
model out uh, visitor types, right? And understanding to uh, in the hospitality industry, understanding those customers for a for a loyalty program, right? Uh, what is their their tolerance for spend? Uh, you know, this this kind of thing is is done in casinos all the time, and I'm just trying to understand that a little bit better. Where uh, you know, there's there's models in place where they know, you know, this person will will gladly spend a thousand dollars on a casino night for the fun of it, and that's mm-hmm. what they want to consume. Those casinos, they know that this person will spend a hundred dollars, and if they see that these people are aren't spending to to the their thresholds that they've modeled out, they'll throw in uh, some free chips or some drinks or whatever it is to, to keep them in there. So I'm looking at building uh, something along those lines for a. Uh, in the hospital for a client in the hospitality industry so you know when that comes out and, and they've kind of released uh me to be able to talk about it i'd love to go into it more but it's it's very very interesting yeah definitely when you're able to talk about that let me know and we could have you back on and explain some more <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um what how can people find you and you know what are your places online and and what are the best places for people to go if they want to learn more about you oh excellent um uh, if they're looking to uh, you know, connect as a client, it's QueryBridge.com. Uh, if they just want to connect on, on Twitter, it's Sherman, at Sherman Distin. And uh, even on Facebook, uh, Sherman Distin as well. Uh, and LinkedIn is uh, something that I use often. Uh, just search the name Sherman Distin. Okay, great. And if you were hiring right now, what are the key things you would be looking for in a data scientist? Like, what are the things that stand out to you when you see somebody that you say, wow, that would be a great person to work with me? The number one thing that I look for is curiosity, right? Uh, I've had to hire uh, high level uh, analysts in the past. And what I really look for is, is that curiosity. Uh, for those who kind of come to the, the the keyboard and say, okay, this is the instructions that I had, the, the, it's in, uh, let me execute on this. Those kind of people don't last long because they're not uh, adding any value, right? The value added is by saying, okay, I found this and I'm kind of curious, how does that actually work? How did that happen? And getting into one more level, uh, another level. And and also at the same time, knowing when to say, okay, I need to deliver something. So this is why I have to cut myself off having that self-discipline. But for someone who really enjoys it, who has that genuine curiosity, they're probably going to go far in, in this industry uh, or would do well as, as an employee because they want to know. And it's not just satisfying some uh, some some requirements set out that that a person uh, that they report to doesn't even really understand they're able to take their skills uh and dig in and come back and say you asked for this here it is but i also found these other things and that's really interesting that you highlight curiosity because i've actually recorded a podcast that hasn't aired yet and that was his same point was that curiosity and the desire to problem solve is really you know the key and it you know you can learn the technical skills so i think that's that's a great note to end on and listeners you heard it here first from <laughs> becoming a data scientist that the the number one skill or or uh, trait needed for becoming curiosity. a data scientist is curiosity so i've been talking to sherman distin and i'm renee teat the host of becoming a data scientist and I thank you for joining us. And thank you, Sherman, for in- this interview. It was very insightful. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to get something out of it. So, so thank much you so much. Now let's talk about the Data Science Learning Club. We just had three data analytics activities in a row. 
finding and exploring a data set, producing visuals for exploratory data analysis, and asking business questions and communicating business answers. This week, we're going to change course a little bit to cover another topic important to data science, math. <laughs> Since all of the activities are self-learning activities, starting at whatever level you're at in order to move yourself toward becoming a data scientist, this week is very custom to you. Is there a mathematical, statistical, or analytical concept that you've been meaning to learn and just have never set aside time to explore it? Maybe linear algebra, or a certain statistical distribution, or Markov chains, or Bayes' theorem. Now's your chance to pick something that you can learn in a couple weeks, maybe get a textbook or find some resources online, and study that topic. If you get confused, you can ask people in the learning club for help. I'm sure many of us have bookmarked resources or have a book on the shelf that covers the topic or can even explain our understanding of it in the forums, so just ask. And if you're a statistician or a mathematician yourself, and based on the club intros, I know some of you are, please consider writing a blog post on a data science-related topic and share it with the club or just keep an eye on the forums and help people that are having trouble. If, like me, you're behind on the existing learning activities, or maybe you just joined the club and you're trying to work through some past activities, this is a good two weeks to catch up. You can always skip this math learning activity and come back to it later. If you need ideas for a concept to learn, I'll post some useful links within the next couple days. The next learning activity will be related to naive Bayes classification, so I'll look for some resources related to that machine learning topic in particular if you want to learn the math behind naive Bayes. And like I said, it's never too late to join the Data Science Learning Club. Just go to becomingadatascientist.com slash learning club and click on the welcome message to get started. See you there.